Graphing when your Facebook friends are awake was trending at the top of Hacker News when Alex Hoag first posted it. Alex wrote a blog post about this piece of software he built that interacts with public Facebook APIs and uses, uses latent information to detect when any of his friends are awake or asleep. As I read his blog post, I wanted to talk to Alex because his blog post was such a creative and technical piece of writing, and the software is so creative and technical also. It's surprising that someone would take the time to randomly inspect the elements of the Facebook homepage and then reverse engineer the way that Facebook sends data about statuses and then mine data from that reverse engineering and then create a bunch of graphs of that data, and Alex did all of these things. So today, Alex joins me to explain how and why he built this strange tool to graph when people are awake or asleep using public-facing Facebook data. Before we get to this episode, a few things. Software Weekly is a newsletter that we put out every Sunday evening to condense what happened in the world of software over the previous week. You can sign up for Software Weekly or join our Slack community, our thriving Slack community, at softwareengineeringdaily.com. Also, Software Engineering Daily is looking for sponsors, and if you're interested in advertising on the show, send me a message at softwareengineeringdaily at gmail.com. Alex Hogue is a software engineer and an author of an open source project called Zz, which allows you to use data from Facebook to determine the sleep patterns of your friends. Alex, welcome to Software Engineering Daily. Hi, thanks for having me here. You wrote this project, and then you wrote a detailed blog post about it called Graphing When Your Face Facebook Friends Are Awake. Describe what you built. So... I built a thing, I built a program that you can leave running on uh, your server or your laptop or whatever for a while, and if you've left it run, after you've left it running long enough, it will uh, give you a little graph for each of your Facebook friends, and on that graph, it'll show you at what times they're online, offline, or idle on Facebook, and that's uh, the Facebook web client and also the mobile one and everything. Why did you do this? Uh, I was worried that somebody was going to ask me this. I don't really know. Uh, I just thought it would be interesting. One day I was looking at the Facebook uh, web, like on Facebook.com, I was looking at the network requests that go to and from, just looking for interesting stuff instead of you know going to a party or something. And uh, I had a look and I saw that there was, um, I don't know, this this weird... Uh, JSON data there, and I was like, oh, what does this do? What does this mean? Oh, it's when people are online on chat, and it's got one-second accuracy. I wonder if I can get a lot of this, and you can. Right. Okay, so let's start talking about the implementation of what you did, and there's some very interesting data mining and engineering behind how you hacked this project together, and the story starts with these green dots. Describe what this green dot that I'm referring to is on the Facebook UI and what it signifies. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so on Facebook.com, if you look on the sidebar thing to the right, uh, you see uh, a bunch of your friends and uh, some of them have little green dots next to their names and some of them have numbers with maybe M after the number or maybe H after the number. 
And uh, what, that, what that is, is Facebook trying to tell you the green dot means this person is online right now, and uh, the numbers should tell you how long it was since they were last online. And the numbers have, uh, when they're displayed to you in the Facebook UI, have kind of a fuzzy accuracy. Like it'll say one hour, but it kind of means anywhere between zero and two hours because it rounds to the rounds to hours. I'm not sure how. And yes, that's what the green dots are. And when a user is active on Facebook, a green dot appears next to their name, as you just said. And you decided to right-click on that dot and use the inspect element function that is available in any browser to find out more about it. So what happened when you inspected that green dot that indicated how active a user is on Facebook? Uh, I should mention that the actual inspecting the actual dot doesn't show anything. The dot is just displaying the data. Uh, when I inspected the page, I just had a look at all the different network requests that were going onto the page. So like Ajax is being loaded or like requests for scripts, that sort of thing. The actual green dot, I, ne- I don't know. I've never inspected the green dot. I don't know what it actually looks like. Um, uh, it's, the green dot is a metaphor. Um, uh, and uh, the question was, what did I see? Uh, yeah, I found there's a uh, endpoint that, uh, while you're on Facebook.com, your browser continuously hits called slash pull. And uh, that endpoint uh, will, it's one of the ways in which the Facebook.com page live updates. So, you know, if you get a notification on the Facebook page, if someone likes your page, if someone likes something you did, you get chat notifications, you, and you also get online, offline notifications. And I don't know about all of this, but some of all of that is through this one slash pull endpoint. And that was interesting because uh, if you try and just request, no, if you if you inspect the network request, you'll see that it just doesn't uh, doesn't show any data. Like if you go and have a look at the slide, if you go and click on, oh, my browser is requesting this slash pull thing. Let's see what the response is. You just don't get a response, uh, and that is you don't get a response until you wait like I don't know uh, between one and like twenty seconds for the get request to finish because it's using this create this wacky thing called uh, HTTP long polling, I think. Don't quote me on that. Something to some sort of wacky version of HTTP that lets you like do a streaming get request. So it kind of gives you data, but it doesn't close the connection. And that might throw you off if you're having a look around. And that did throw me off, but I eventually figured it out. <laughs> do you have any idea why they were using long polling for that? Um. I had a look. I don't know, but uh, I had a look at what this long polling thing is and what it all means. I think it's kind of like an alternative to WebSockets. If you if your browser doesn't support WebSockets, you can use this crazy HTTP streaming thing. But I don't really know why. Like whoever architected this Facebook thing decided to use long polling instead of WebSockets. It could be that my browser just wasn't compatible and didn't have WebSockets. It could be that this is actually better for some reason because you could say HTTP instead of WebSocket land. Um, no, I don't really know. So every uh, every X intervals, uh, this Facebook is pulling from this pull endpoint, this this endpoint on some Facebook server from somewhere, and it's pulling data about the user's activity. Or what? I, I think you mentioned you mentioned some stuff that it's pulling, but what kinds of data is it pulling? Just re- refresh me on that, and and what kinds of things is it building on the page using that data? Sure. Uh, I don't really know what it's building, but I could have a guess. Uh, here's what it's pulling, though. Um, so when you make a request, uh, firstly, it pulls 
lots of other stuff that I did not look at and I did not blog about. It pulls like actual, like, you know, the little Facebook news feed, uh, no, not the news feed, the, the ticker thing in the top right corner. I don't know what it's called. The timeline thing. My friends call it the omniscience bar because you can see, <laughs> yeah, um, that thing. I don't know what that thing's actually called. Uh, it, if you look in the slash pull endpoint, you'll see already rendered HTML that just goes straight into that bar. And I had to filter all that out because I didn't care about that because you could just look at it. Although I was thinking about this. You could, since you have uh, the already rendered HTML, you could uh, do exactly what I did, except instead of for online offline status for the omniscience bar and have like uh, a record of what happened on Facebook, like who liked which page and who commented on which thing. And you could use that to like reconstruct what was going on at the time. Anyway, that's not what you asked me. I'm sorry. Um, the things that uh, the things that the endpoint shows you to do with your online offline status. Uh, I don't know how it chooses which users to give you, but it gives you some some users, some of your friends, and it tells you uh, for each of them a point in time and whether they're online, offline, or idle on each of the device on each of the different uh, clients and. The clients are there's one magical uh, there's one magical thing just called status and it's I don't know how that gets created, but it can be online, offline, or idle, or invisible. And similarly, there's uh, web status and messenger status and Facebook app status and other status. I don't know what other is, but I'm guessing it's some sort of like maybe if you sign in with Facebook on somewhere, they can use the other status. I'm not sure. Yeah, so these user IDs, they get mapped to multiple statuses. Uh, and th- like you said, there's web status, FB app status, messenger status, and, and other things. How many different ways are there for a user to engage with Facebook? Uh, if and, all you... and why, why is this relevant? Uh, if all you look at is this endpoint, there are five, right? Those, those ones that you just said, I think it's five. Uh, and... I don't know. I don't know why they're relevant. I don't know what Facebook is doing with these things. I'm just some guy looking at random network requests. Right. But the aggregation of this is that it aggregates into whether or not a user is active. Yeah, well, there's the the first one that you see is just called status, and I think that's the one that Facebook will actually show you. Right. So there's in the green dot is telling you is their status active or not. And I had a I had a brief look at the logs that I collected, like with my eyes, and I didn't find any instances where the status was not active, but some other some other like web messenger status or FB app status was active. So it's making me think that if any of the statuses are active, that the one called status is also going to be active. From what you understand, how is Facebook conveying information between their servers? and the different users in order to understand the status of these users with regard to web status or app status or messenger status? Uh, how's Facebook conveying it? What do you mean? So, so how, like, uh, do you have any idea, like, how often their servers are communicating with, you know, you, with users, uh, you know, phones or their browsers in order to understand whether they're idle or not? Oh, like how frequently it polls your yeah. like device. Uh, I don't. Firstly, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, I, my thing makes a request every my like polar logo thing that does this. Uh, I think by default makes a request every one second or three seconds or something, and it usually doesn't. It will usually only get like maybe a handful of things in that time. Um, I have noticed this strange thing that happens sometimes where 
uh, if somebody is online, you'll get a data point for them being online almost exactly every three minutes. So it's not exactly every three minutes, but it's three minutes plus or minus maybe 20 seconds. You'll get their online, but then you get offline points in between there. So I don't really know what that is. That could be some sort of keep alive thing. That's kind of the only thing I found in terms of how frequently it polls. Okay. And so as I understand, you started gathering data from this poll endpoint about basically all of your friends because uh, you were you had access to all your friends and these were the people who had green dots or not next to their name, which indicates that they had, you know, data from the poll endpoint, uh, you know, being updated. Um, so with, you know, using this poll endpoint, uh, you started to build objects uh, over a span of time about specific people, uh, you know, timestamp, whether that person is online or not, uh, which devices that are they're they're using that represent whether they're online. Uh, so tell me more about this this object, uh, like these objects that you started to build for your friends. Sure. Um, one of the things I feel like I should point out is uh, kind of to do with uh, it's kind of like in uh, video games, well, like you know, competitive video games. They always uh, they try and draw the line somewhere as to oh what kind of mods am I allowed to have on my game, and uh, generally the answer is if you can do it with a pencil and paper then sure you can have a mod that also does it, and uh, the reason I told you that wacky story is that the thing that I made is one of those things like you could do what I did with a pencil and paper you could sit there watching your friends being online and offline at your computer all the time and write down when they're offline and draw a graph yourself. Um, anyway, as for what I actually built, uh, it's not. It's almost exactly the same as what the Facebook slash pull endpoint gives you, but it's got one extra thing. So uh, the things that I store like on disk are exactly the response from the Facebook endpoint, like the exact JSON that they give back, and also the time that it was given to me. So I can record uh, a user and a time and what kind of online-offline status they have. But there's one extra thing that Facebook will sometimes give you, which is a uh, it's like a different kind of it's like a different packet. It's not really a packet. It's like a different JSON blob where instead of saying, hey, this user is online right now on these devices, uh, that that corresponds to a green dot. Uh, sometimes Facebook will send you some data that corresponds to one of those uh, random times that you see on somebody's uh, uh, little messenger profile thing on Facebook chat. So if you see, you know, there are things that say, oh, this person was last online one hour ago. Facebook will sometimes give you a packet that represents that. And that's really much more useful than a packet that says they're online right now. Because if you know they were last online, say, eight hours ago, which Facebook will sometimes tell you, then you actually have data points for every every moment between now and eight hours ago, right? You know, they're offline all the time. The one thing about the recording that I'm doing is I'm not sure if I'm getting the complete picture, and there's no way for me to know if I'm getting the complete picture, right? I mean, I'm, when people when Facebook tells me someone's online, they are online, but maybe they're online at other times, and Facebook just doesn't tell me or my code's wrong or something. It's not easy for me to tell. And so it's those last active times that make it really easy to record when someone's asleep. Because if you get, if it's currently, you know, 9 in the morning, and you get their last active like 10 hours ago, you know they're probably asleep that whole time. Well, maybe not at nine in the morning, but some other time. So when did you start thinking of using this log data to look at when people were asleep or not? Or did you just start collect did you start collecting it and then started inferring things based off of it? Or how did that how did you start to you know, how did it manifest into 
figuring out when your Facebook friends are awake? I think I definitely started collect like the first time that I saw that that data was there, I was like, oh, I've got to collect this and do something creepy. There's definitely something cool to do there. And I don't think I got the sleeping idea until I saw a, no, I did get, I didn't, it was after I saw a graph and it was before I saw the graphs. Um, I think it's, I think I got the idea when, yeah, that's right. When I saw, uh, like if it was in the morning and I was on Facebook and I saw somebody was last online like five hours ago and it's currently eight in the morning. And so I know like it's currently eight in the morning now, five hours ago it's 3 a.m. So this person was up till 3 a.m. And I just know this about them and they didn't tell me and I didn't ask to be told this. It's just there. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I guess that's kind of the manual version of what I ended up making is if you just happen to notice, you can figure out when someone went to sleep, probably, assuming they check Facebook close to the time when they go to sleep, which I think most people do. So in order to start doing this at scale, uh, there were some steps that we haven't really touched on. I mean, you wrote you wrote a script to do this, or you wrote several scripts. <laughs> uh, I mean, one part of this is you, you talk about copying a network request using Chrome's developer tools. Can you describe what you were talking about with, with that network request? Is that the sure. poll? The poll? Uh, yeah, yeah, it is, sure. But before we move on, I think I feel uncomfortable with you saying doing this at scale. This is not at scale. <laughs> this is just one kid with a laptop like and little like this is like one process in a Tmux window and I like, you know, if it dies I have to restart it. This is not at scale. Um anyway, the network request thing. So yeah, um Chrome's developer tools are great, and everyone knows that. Some some people feel like they're like held ransom by Chrome's great developer tools, so they can't switch to another browser. I don't feel like that. Um, one of the so in as you might have noticed in Chrome, you can like when you inspect Element, there's also this tab that's called Network, and it tells you all the different stuff that this page is requesting. So it'll tell you all the CSS it's downloading, or images, or videos, or whatever. And uh, that's whole each of those, each of the items there is a network request, and sometimes you see that your browser made a network request, and it's like, oh, it made a request to this URL with this data, with this cookie, and you're like, well, now I want to make that network request, and you could, like, you know, open up wget.curl or Python and, like, get the endpoint and like, copy and paste your cookies in, but somebody at Google thought about this and thought people might want to do this, and so you can right-click on your request and say, copy this as a curl command. You can copy it as a bunch of other things, too, but curl's the one I used. And uh, that lets you just paste into a terminal uh, exactly that same network request that was sent. And so that includes like all your cookies. So don't. So if you if you do this and you paste it in your terminal, your Facebook cookie is now in your bash history. So make sure you clear that if anyone else is on there because they can use that to log in to Facebook as you. Um, and it also gives you when you paste it, when you copy as curl, it also gives you all the HTTP headers for free as well, and uh, lets you. Like, not only do you get to replay the request, sure, but you also get exactly what was sent part, as part of that request. And so you can be like, oh, that's interesting. Here's what I told Facebook, and here's what it gave me back. So what did you do with that request, did you, or that that curl command? Did you put it into a script at that point? Uh, the first thing I did was be like, well, this is never going to work because, you know, this is a live updates thing, and I'm just going to run it at the wrong time, and it's going to have a sequence number, and it's going to have checksums and stuff. But then I ran it, and it did work. And I was like, oh, okay, that was easy. Um, and yeah, I think what I did was, I mean, I didn't actually want to use curl to build my thing. I could have some ridiculous bash script or cron job or something and use curl. But I like uh, uh, wrote a tiny Python script to like rip out of the curl format all the cookies and stuff, which in retrospect, maybe I should have just done by hand. I wasn't sure whether I was automating myself out of a job or automating myself into a job. And 
yeah, once I had all the like the main reason I wanted that request is because it had all the HTTP headers and all the cookies ready for me in copy pasteable format because I was actually going to do this in Python, so I just needed a place to store all that all that data. So I turned the I turned the cookies and the headers and stuff into Python dictionaries and put them straight into the code. Which fun fact I noticed that at the beginning you introduced this project as being called ZZ the five five Zs. Yes. Um, that was not the original name for this thing. The original name was Storky. Uh, and the reason it, it, I had to make the five Zs one is because I tried really hard to not do this, but I did screw up and accidentally commit my like personally identifiable information, like my Facebook user ID, or oh. I think the Facebook user ID made it through to the end pro- to the end product. Not so worried about that, but I did definitely accidentally commit my Facebook cookie at some point, and I was like, "Well, that's not okay. Not putting that on the internet." And so there's still a private repo somewhere that has that in there, which I should probably take down. Uh, <laughs> Wow. Okay. Interesting. So uh, before we get into the graphing part, were there any interesting other interesting parts of the data collection process? Um, there was. Yeah, there was. Um, so I was trying to uh, automate, like do the automatic pulling, and I used the Python requests library because it's the best way to try and talk HTTP in Python. If you're using URLib or URLib2, you're living in the past. And uh, I noticed that the the like it couldn't handle the, uh, the streaming, the the long pulling get request. Like it was expecting something that would just instantly return, rather than do this slow ten second long thing and get data along the way. So I started writing. I started using. I mean, requests had thought of this, and they had this like iterator that you could use that would like iterate over like thirty two bytes of the. Uh, of the response at a time, and you could, you know, I would use that and build up a thing and build up a list and then use that list later and all that. And I did that, and it was kind of working sometimes, but then, like, my network would drop out partway through and it would crash because it's not got a full 32 bytes or it would do something crazy and break. And I was like, man, this is really annoying. And I could see that there was a parameter that's being sent to Facebook called mode with value stream. So I'm, I'm telling Facebook, please give me stream mode. Like, I'm saying, I'm, I'm digging myself into this hole. But I don't know, this is not a real API, it's not documented anywhere. I don't know what the other modes are. I don't know how to say mode equals no stream. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So eventually I was just like, well, I'm just going to not include the mode parameter. Maybe stream is not the default. And then it totally worked and stopped streaming. And I was like, nice, and deleted all my crazy chunk iterating code thing and just did a usual get. And I was like, yes. Ah, nice. That's very interesting. So, okay, I want to talk about the graphing, because now that you had all this data aggregated, you had to graph it, and you had many graphing libraries to choose from. So what graphing <laughs> library did you decide to use? Oh, man, you know how I feel about graphing libraries, but I guess we can talk about this. Um, so I ended up using, by the way, I only, I only made like a couple of graphs for the blog post, and that was it. Like The whole reason I was making graphs at all was so I could put it in the blog post and show people like I don't actually I don't use this thing I don't go and like look at my friends that's creepy what are you got what are you guys doing doing that uh, anyway I ended up I ended up using nvd3js which is a wacky it's so there's d3js which lots of people know about which is like a graphing library and nvd3 is made by some other company or something I'm not really sure somebody just told me if I don't use it I'm a fraud and so I was like well like hey let's use this graphing library and it uh, gen- it actually generates the graphs client side so as in, you just pass in the data in a, uh, you provide the data at a URL, I think, and you say, here's the data, nvd3, and it will generate the graph 
client side on their computer, as opposed to generating images images on the server, which is kind of what I started with. And describe the graphs that actually resulted from this data. Uh, not pretty enough, considering how much effort went into them. Uh, so what they actually were were uh, a bunch of line graphs, and this is a kind of hard data visualization problem because I was like, how do I show you? Like, you, when you're looking at this, you kind of want to know are they online at this time? Well, did you know what you wanted to convey with your data? Yeah. Well, what you want to convey is. I want to know when my friends. I don't want to know. I want to know when these people are on Facebook. But then, when you say on Facebook, I could just give you that that overall like top level status thing, and you just get one line, and you see here they're, here they're online, here they're offline, or in, and here they're idle. But maybe you care whether they're online on their phone or on their computer, right? So you can figure stuff out about people depending on oh, if they're on their phone, they might be out. If they're on their computer, I know they're not out. Oh, that's interesting. So I was like, well, I could make this crazy single line that like stay. In fact, I wrote code to do this, and you can go and turn it on if you want. That like will give you the highest status type that they have. So if they're online on the desktop, that's the highest, and if they're on mobile, that's the second highest, and then the app and the other are lower than that. And it will give you the biggest one that they're online on. So it kind of is kind of tried to convey everything in one line, but I did that, and nobody knew what I was talking about, including me, and I was like, this is, this is meant for computers, not for humans. So eventually, I made four or five lines. I can't remember how many statuses there are. I, one, I made one line for each status. And uh, the x-axis is time, and the y-axis is how online they are for that status. I know, maybe you're thinking of them online and offline. Well, think again. Um, that You can be online, you can be offline, but you can also be a few things in between. You can be offline, online, invisible, active, you know, invisible or idle. And I, to this day, I don't know the difference between online and invisible. Like in, it's called invisible because they don't want you to be able to tell if someone's like pretending to be offline or actually offline. But why is there also an online status? May, uh, why is there also an offline status? Maybe that's for if you don't have the thing installed at all. Oh, I'm not really sure. And anyway, the graphs are a bunch of colorful lines, and you can click to turn off the lines and turn on the lines, and you can zoom in and stuff. And I hope people appreciate that zooming and clicking because it took way too long to actually make. I tried that. It's a great feature. Yes. Uh, so, so how many people did you make graphs of, and did you show these people your graphs? Yeah. So um, I was like, well, now I have this way to make these creepy graphs of anyone who friends with me, and they don't even know about it. So I'm going to try and do this in the least creepy way possible. So I got a bunch of a random sample of people I know, and no, I didn't actually randomly do it. I got I chose with my brain a bunch of people I know, did not generate any random numbers. And I said, hey, I made this blog post. I made, they're making these creepy graphs. Here's a graph. This graph is you. Look at it. Isn't that cool? It's your graph. And they were like, this is really creepy. And um, I think in the blog post, you can see some of the interviews with the people. And I asked, uh, I asked more than three people. Like, there's three people in the blog post, but I asked more than three people. Because I didn't want, didn't want anyone to know who these people were at the end, right? So if I asked three people... And like I said, I had told some people who who were other people that I'd asked, right? I told some of the people, oh, I asked also asked this person. So I asked, I think, five or six people, and I only put three of them in the blog post, so that way people can't actually, like, you don't even know if you were in the blog post. Although they might remember what their graph looks like. 
Anyway, I told all these people, hey, I'm making this creepy blog post. I need somebody to put in there. I awkwardly can't do this on myself because Facebook doesn't tell you when you're online. So can I put you in here? Um, it's going to have this graph. It's going to be forever. People are going to be able to record it or write it down. Everyone will know that this person was online or offline at this time. And uh, they'll know, they won't know it was you, but they might be able to figure out later that it was you or something. But there's no, your name's not there. Your Facebook user ID's not there. And they're like, whatever, Alex. I don't care about your ridiculous OPSEC precautions. Sure, go for it. <laughs> So what happened when you discussed these graphs with the people like were they I, I know you these are in the blog post these interviews but how did people respond were they appalled or did they not really care Um I think I think most of the people, some of the some of the people I talked to, they were just like, "Oh, that's cool, whatever," and they're like, "That's really cool, it's a graph of me," and they didn't really get the like the privacy implications. They were just like, "Oh yeah, that's me," and other people were like, "Wow, that's really creepy," because like I did wake up at that time, and you asked me if I did, and I didn't tell you that I woke up, but you knew. That's creepy, and you can do this to anyone. Hmm, maybe I should stop being friends with you on Facebook. Maybe I should delete Facebook. Maybe I should do something else. Um, I don't think anyone was outraged. I think, I mean, maybe they were, but not to my knowledge. What other conclusions did you draw from these graphs? Um, I kind of stopped when I got the, like, you can figure out when someone's awake or asleep because I was like, well, that's, that's like the main point. That's really cool. People care about that. And there's a blog post right there. Uh, but some of the other stuff that I noticed was you can also tell who's on Facebook during work hours if you work, right? Because you can see exactly when they're online, right? And so some people, if you look at their graph, they're like online in the morning and in the evening. But some people are online all day. And it's like, oh, are they just online on their phone? And no, you can see that they have like... Uh, like a web session as well. So like using that, you can guess that they probably have Facebook on their work computer, right? Because otherwise, what do they bring their, did they bring their laptop to work? I don't think so. So I'm not sure what you can do with the fact that they have Facebook on their work computer, like as in they're logged in on their work computer. I don't know what kind of hacks you're going to do with that information. Maybe one of your listeners can figure it out. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, but I'd love to talk about the implications of this. Do you Do you think that... As a third-party developer, you should be able to perform this kind of analysis? Uh, it's not as a, like, I guess I'm a third-party developer because I'm not Facebook. And, uh, like, one thing I feel like I should point out is that you can only do this to people that you are Facebook friends with. You can't do this to any random person on Facebook. They have to already be your Facebook friend. I mean, that might not mean a lot to lots of people because some people just YOLO add everybody in the whole world. <laughs> um, and... Like, do I think you should be able to do this? I mean, I kind of, I thought about it and I was like, well, I mean, this is kind of creepy. I would like for people to not be able to do this to me. And I think lots of people would like to not be able to do this. Uh, well, I think lots of people would like to be, you know, protected against this. And uh, I mean, one way is to not use Facebook at all. But I think a lot of people like Facebook, so they're probably not going to do that. And I was thinking about it. And the reason that it works is because uh, of, uh, well, of the last active time feature. Like, it will tell you when they're last active. And also because of, like, it's a chat program. You can see when your friends are online and stuff. And so, I mean, if you're going to make a chat program without those features, I guess it's kind of not much of a chat program, right? As in, I'm sure the smart people at Facebook thought about this. Like, I, don't, I think they realized that, hey, you could, yes, you could scrape this data and collect it and build creepy graphs. I think somebody thought of that in advance before they made this feature. And... um I guess they decided that it was worth the trade-off, right? It was worth the privacy trade-off to be able to have this cool feature. And like Facebook chat is like, it's like the gold standard for chat programs, right? It's got all the features everyone likes. It's like, it's a good chat program. And I guess one of the things that makes it good is this feature, but it kind of has this awkward privacy trade-off. 
Mm. Yeah. Do, do you think there's any way that, that they could have architected it to prevent this kind of thing? I was thinking about that. I mean, one kind of weird side effect of me doing this at all is that because like my little bot thing is always online and it's using my Facebook cookie because I don't have any other Facebook cookies, I'm always online on Facebook on uh, the on the overall status anyway. Uh, I think my phone status goes on and off, but I haven't actually checked because I can't check myself because I'm not friends with myself. I should really make a fake Facebook account and check with that. Although, actually, you can't. You're not allowed to make fake Facebook accounts. It's in there like bug bounty terms of service. So. Yeah, yeah. So with this project, were you, were you trying to make any particular statement or were you just messing around? Oh, no. I'm very much just a kid with a laptop. I'm not here to, I'm not here to say things. <laughs> Is that like, is that tongue in cheek or is that like entirely true? Like, do you really not have any opinion on, on this or like any projections about what this says about the future or? Uh, I mean, I'm over 18, so I guess I'm not a kid or over 21 if you're in America. Um, and I do have a laptop and I did use a laptop to make this. Uh, but uh, why did I make the blog post? I guess I just made it because I thought other people would think this was cool, right? Like, I made it and I thought it was cool that you could do this in the first place and that you could look at the graphs and you could, like, find out stuff about people. I was like, this is kind of cool, but also really creepy because people can find it out about you without your consent, right? People can just do it. I mean, you have to be their Facebook friend, but most people don't consent to, sure, I'll be your Facebook friend and also let you stalk when I'm online. I kind of don't think about that part. And, yeah, I just made the blog post because... I mean, I was kind of hope. I was kind of when I first started doing it, I was hoping, oh, maybe Facebook will see this and they'll see that it's like bad, and then they'll change it and fix it somehow. But then, like as I thought about it more, it's like, well, how are they going to fix it? They could give you an invisible status, I guess. They could let make it so it doesn't show when you're online. Or, but like, kind of this feature of like the last active time thing. It's like, it's a good. It's like a feature people use on their chat program. So maybe maybe it's not worth time to make it right. Like maybe they make more money with this feature on. I imagine they do because they get more engagement on like Messenger. Throughout your post, there was this uh, motif of NSA, like role playing as the NSA. It was kind of funny, and and but it's also like kind of serious because like NSA could probably do this with far fewer. Uh, Chrome Web Tool inspection stuff <laughs> than you yeah, did. They have they have the easy way. They have the easy way, right? And so, but like, do people care? Do millennials care? Or do do does anybody care? Like, it, it, should we care about the fact that people can do this to you? Yes. I mean, one of the things I was thinking about is it's completely reasonable that Facebook can do this to you, right? Because they're Facebook and you log into their chat thing, and of course they know when you log in because they make it. That's fine. And then, like, okay, by extension, the NSA can also probably do this to you. And it's like, well, all right, that's what you get to having Facebook. But can you, should your friends be able to do this to you? I mean, I would like it if my if my friends could not do this to me, because what? Like, don't I'd like it if nobody had creepy graphs of like exactly when I'm awake and when I'm asleep, assuming that I'm on Facebook at the right times. I'm not. Actually, I'm not actually sure. But do other people care? I think they don't really care. They just go like, oh, yeah, whatever, Facebook privacy, whatever, it's a trade-off. And then someone shows them like, hey, here's a graph of you and here's when you're awake and hey, here's when you went in the lift and your phone turned off and like, oh, you're feeling tired today? Can I help you out? Like, you could, you could using this thing, you could, instead of making graphs, which I did, you could make a thing which like emails you every morning being like, hey, these people are up till 3 a.m. and they're really sleepy today. So now you know that about them. 
Like, I think people will care once they realize it can happen to them. Yeah, you could just sell it to advertisers. Oh, man, I didn't even think of that. Oh, um, well, you well, got actually, No, you couldn't, because advertisers aren't people's Facebook friends. Right? I guess you could sell out your friends to advertisers. <laughs> well, there are, there are those huge networks of, of bots, uh, of bot accounts, Facebook bot accounts, um, that could maybe be using this. And so, and many of those bots have legitimate friends. Yeah, I mean, if you get a, if you made a Facebook bot and added a whole bunch of people and started making graphs of all of them and sold which of them are sleepy to advertisers or which of them are like what their sleep cycles are like, oh, I feel a terrible startup idea <laughs> being formed. Yeah, I mean, okay, but so do you? What about you yourself? Like, do you have any opinions on like NSA data gathering? surveillance states snowden stuff oh man so political um it's a hard problem right like it's kind of like one of the problems with having somebody be a spy agency and having them collect all this um like i'll explain let me explain it in terms of something that i'm sure is extremely inaccessible to your listeners which is uh recently in australia which is where i'm from uh, the government started making data retention laws. So your internet service provider has to uh, keep records of stuff that you do. And uh, the motivation is, oh, it's, you know, it's mostly for catching criminals and stuff because it's really useful for us to know like what IP address some criminal had at some certain time so we can prove they went to this website. And that's, okay, all right, fair enough. Um, but, uh, and it's also, the other, one of the interesting things is how it can kind of go wrong. So this is, there's kind of good intentions in this data retention thing, right? Because it's like, well, I mean, we're going to use it to catch bad guys. All right. Uh, the thing is, though, that uh, in the things that ISPs are required to keep, uh, something that's not there is the destination IP address. That's who you're talking to. So they're required to keep, like, what time it was and, uh, you know, who you are and what IP address you have. But they're not required to store who you're talking to, which is good. Because if they, if they did store who you were talking to, they would have, like, kind of your browsing history, right? They wouldn't say which URLs exactly, but they know which sites you went to. The thing is, though, say, say you're just some random sysadmin working at some ISP, and somebody tells you, oh, you know, the government says we've got to start storing all this stuff about people, and they're like, oh, I've got to make a new database. Oh, there's a lot of data there, you know, getting salty about that. But then they're like, well, you know, the data we have currently is just everything. And like... Maybe maybe it's more convenient. Maybe we can save time. Maybe we can you know be more agile if we just store everything, right? Because that'll be you know easier because we don't have to do a bunch of you know dev work to store more stuff. And so now maybe they're not storing everything. Maybe they are. Let's let's just say that somebody somewhere has like secret has like you know the important data, the secret data about people. That's all fine. But how much do you trust their security? Like how much do you trust nobody to be able to break into their thing? I don't know. Uh, I I don't know, but generally, like trust is not a word that we use in the security world uh, because it's you know often followed by regrets. Yeah. So I mean, what what kinds of feedback have you gotten from this blog post? Have have has anybody chimed in with with any interesting opinions or what kinds of feedback have you gotten from this blog post? Um. Mostly uh, a bunch of people on Hacker News analyzing my writing style. And I was like, okay, that's uh, that's all right. Uh, people being like, oh, this guy is you know, clearly very self-deprecating. Or, oh, maybe this guy is from Australia. He's got Australian humor. It was, was a like, funny what? blog okay. post. It was pretty funny. <sighs> Thanks, I guess. Thanks. 
Um, so I don't like on most of the reactions I've got have been like, "Hey, that was a cool blog post." I don't think anyone's had like, but there have been kind of few like complicated political reactions being like, "Oh, this is a thing. Facebook should fix it. Maybe they shouldn't fix it." Nobody's really commenting on the actual content of the thing because they're all like, "Hey, nice, nice making fun of hacking news people." And it's like, well, okay, thank you. Um, I had people, I've had, I've had, you know, people being like, come on my podcast. No, I'm kidding. It's just you. Uh, <laughs> well, so has anybody from Facebook contacted you? Uh, no, I don't think so. I have a bunch, I have a couple of friends who work at Facebook and I did give them a cheeky at Facebook friends in the blog post being like, I don't know what this is. Maybe you can tell me, but that never works because like, you know, when someone's like, oh, you work at Facebook, do you know this person? No. You know this person? No. What about this person? No, I don't know anyone. Also, I work on a team that's completely different to the thing you're talking about. So I'm kind of not surprised. And no, I haven't, got, haven't had anyone from Facebook reach out and be like, you are now banned or <laughs> whatever it is. I don't right. know. Um, I'm, I'm sure I've violated the terms of service somewhere in there. Yeah. Do you think we're headed for a world of constant surveillance? Um, I think there are some people who would like that to be true. Possibly we're already in one, right? Like yeah. the kind of, if it depends what you think surveillance is like for me, I have a couple of websites and if you just look at the, like, you know, the like web server access log, you can see you know, which IP address visited. When do they visit? What do they look at? That's cool. And like, mostly that's fine because it's just IP addresses, but like depending on how much surveillance you want, like depending on what you think is surveillance, people kind of accidentally surveil each other. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it's interesting because, a lot of times this conversation centers around these trade-offs between uh, privacy and security. And people say like, well, we should give up privacy to have more security or we should give up security to have more privacy. But uh, it seems like like potentially there are there's room for solutions that have more privacy and more security. Or, you know, I don't know, in the case of Facebook, more privacy and more utility. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, I think the slider is kind of different. Like you're talking about a slider with privacy. I I think of it like a slider on a form that you drag. Um, you're talking about a slider with privacy at one end and security at the other end. Yeah. I kind of kind of group, I kind of group them into the same thing and put privacy slash security at the same end. And on the other end of that slider is like convenience, right? Mm. So like, say you're logging into a website and it's like, hey, log in, choose your email address. And you're like, okay, here's my email address. Hey, choose a password. No, not that password. No, you need to have this. No, you need to have this other thing. And it's like, okay, all right, fine. Here's my really secure password. And it's like, hey, make sure you set up your two-factor auth codes. Make sure you can, you know, install this app so we can send you random codes so you can log in. And like, that's like an that's called like an exit point in like a marketing in a marketing language, which is kind of like a point where in your like flow of someone looking into your product where they be like, I don't care about this enough to keep going. Right. So a lot of, some people, some people like to play with that slider. Like a really, really secure site. is like a really, really secure, really private thing is like, there is no site. You can't log into it. There's nothing there, but Hey, you can't get hacked. Right. And a really, really convenient one is there's no authentication. Everyone can just log in as everyone else. Or maybe you don't log in. Maybe everyone just posts anonymously. Right. But then there's no way to know, who anyone is and there's no way to like monitor who's doing what, right? Like that's the full convenience end of the slider. So you mentioned this earlier that the, the post was something of a, uh, you know, maybe not directly making fun of hacker news, but it kind of poked fun at 
kind of the Hacker News ethos or some of the the ways that people talk on Hacker News, the ways that people interact. What do you think of the Hacker News culture? I mean, it's really developed into uh, quite a significant um, you know, media outlet that affects how technologists think and process information. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting. I used to read it a lot more when I was in maybe first year or second year uni. And I think they have a lot of, I think they have a lot of like uni students on there. Um, but I'm not sure. And I don't know, it's kind of like any, any kind of thing where things are sorted by upvotes. So like Reddit or like Facebook, if it's sorted by likes or anything where like the thing that the most people click a button on is like the thing at the top kind of tends to become an echo chamber after some point where like there are certain opinions that, or there are certain particular things that everyone likes because they're the things that everyone sees because they're the things that everyone votes on and so on. So like on Hacker News, it's always this like, it's either something political to do with the NSA because Hacker News loves the drama or it's like my new swag, my new swag JavaScript library that so it's it's way better than the other JavaScript library from before. It's you know it's totally different. So uh, did you stop? Have you stopped reading Hacker News, or like you just don't read it as much? Uh, I guess not as much. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess not as much. Uh, maybe I don't know. I mean, I'm not using Rust or. Go or any of the questionable swag languages, and sometimes on Hacker News it's just a link to a Wikipedia page, and it's just like check out this sick Wikipedia page for like yeah. how TCP works or something, and it's like thousands of upvotes, and it's like yeah. really, I mean, I mean it's a cool Wikipedia page, but like really, yeah, very interesting. It, it, it there are some weird things that trend sometimes. Um, okay, well, well, I want to I want to start to wrap up. Um, I mean, can you tell me a little bit more about yourself or like and maybe an interesting engineering story that occurred uh, in your life recently? Sure. Um, so let's see. Uh, uh, I'm 23. We already talked about that. I went to Sydney University and did a Google internship briefly. And now I work at Atlassian doing security something, something. And uh, an interesting engineering story. What have I... Oh, okay. All right, this is going to be kind of elaborate, but it's it's a complete hack, and I love to talk about it. So, um, I, okay, here's some here's some free Atlassian plugging. Uh, at Atlassian, we have a thing. We have like a hackathon every so often. It's called Ship It. Like ship it in 24 hours, um, and uh, you can do whatever you want for that. They're like, go and do whatever you want. Like maybe vaguely make it something to do with Atlassian, but like the, um, the rules are kind of there are no rules. And so uh, we wanted to make uh, there was this page we have where oh, it's like it's like a form that you fill out and it gives somebody it gives somebody that you think did a good job it gives them like a $30 gift card for a thing of their choice right we have that thing in Atlassian where you can like if you like what someone does you can fill out a form and they get a gift card and you know from Atlassian and um the 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 form that you fill out is kind of like could use some UX improvements, right? Like you have to enter the same information multiple times. Like you have to enter like a few things multiple times. And there's some things that are almost always going to be the same, like their location in the world and your location in the world. Like sometimes you do like, like, you know, into international ones, but usually it's in the same office. And so we were like, well, this form could be kind of easier. And we also put a whole bunch of dumb, like, so firstly we made the form easier so that it, um, like you know, we made less fields, and it would figure out it would figure out the fields that you wanted to get. And we also did some random natural language processing to so there's a whole bunch of different gifts people can get. 
and there's this like random page that has you know each person can fill out and add what gifts they want, and it's completely freeform text. They can say, oh, you know, I like movies, give me a movie thing, or if it's oh, hey, if it's Monday, give me this thing, and if it's Tuesday, give me this thing. They can say whatever they want, and so we wrote a thing that would like read that and try and guess what they actually want. And so you just type in someone's name and it guesses what they want to um, guesses what they want to have. And so like th- that's what that's what the thing does. Here's the interesting thing about it: the form is hosted on the same domain as uh, our company Confluence is. And Confluence is a place where you can like make pages and blog posts and stuff. And so I was like, oh, the form's hosted on the same domain as the blog posts. And uh, there's this um, there's this feature that you can turn on in Confluence, which enables an HTML macro. And so that that is that is what you think it is. It lets you like write HTML in your Confluence pages, and also lets you write. There's also an SQL macro. It lets you write SQL in your Confluence pages. And we were like, well, this is cool. I wonder if we can. Hey, wait a minute. The HTML macro is in the same like the blogs are in the same domain as this form, which means it's same origin policy compliant, and we can like look through these iframes and so skip skip a few steps and at the end of the day we impl- like implemented this new form with this uh, with the natural language processing that would check the other forms it would like do database queries to like check which location people are in and it would like have like oh it had ridiculous confetti raining down and like a dial that you would turn <laughs> to do things because I don't know why not and the thing was implemented as a blog post right like there's no servers there was no like scripts there was no oh wow file. there was no file this entire thing is a blog post with a Bazillion macros and like lots of like hacky JavaScript to like inject stuff into the iframes because we you can look through the iframe because it's on the same domain, the same origin policy compliant. And yeah, at the end of the day, everyone was like, "Why did you do this as a blog post?" <laughs> we were like, "I don't know. I just thought it would be novel." That's funny. So the so the incidental irony uh, is something that you work into a lot of your programming projects, apparently. Uh, I think that would be fair to say. Yeah, very interesting. Well, uh, well, Alex, thanks for coming on the show. This has been super interesting, and uh, uh, Alex's project op- is open sourced uh, as Z Z Z Z Z. Um, and what what is your GitHub name? Uh, default name here. Default name here. Okay, so if you want to check out this project, you can use to stalk. Can you still use it to stalk your Facebook or to look at your Facebook friends' awake status? I haven't looked at it in like basically since the blog post come out. Okay. But I, but I assume it's still running. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Uh, well, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much. It's been fun. 